1: The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the podcast from The Athletic, dedicated to Manchester United. It's Monday, it's raining, and we've got to do this again. Into what horse? Aston Villa make their move. Manchester United are hit late on! United with a big problem to solve now! It's Cavani looking to get his head on that. They're appealing for handball. My team says yes! Bruno Fernandes misses! It almost ended up in the top tier, the Stretford end! It almost ended up at Villa Park, that's how high it went! Aston Villa, off the hook, big time! Well, that sounded even worse listening back to it, didn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely sick of memes about men getting hit with ice creams in the face and broken windows after that Bruno Fernandes penalty, but never mind. We need to go through it, don't we? We're going to be previewing Villarreal later on in the show, but we need to break down another disappointing home defeat for Manchester United. Three defeats in four now, and this should be a very, very interesting podcast as well. Today in the company of Andy Mitton. Hello, Andy.
2: Hello, I am Looking forward to this. Well, sort of. Let's see where we go with it.
1: Yeah, funny way of putting it. <laughs> and Laurie Whitwell. Hi, Laurie.
0: Hi, how you doing, mate? you okay?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Three defeats from four, Andy. You've written a piece saying Solskjaer needs a trophy. He needs a win at the minute, doesn't he? He does
2: because that's not good enough and it's disappointing after the, the bright start to the season. We can look at it two ways, but let's just look at it the negative way from the start. Uh, it's bad squad of the, the cup, in my opinion, against West Ham. Uh, the result in burn. If they get out of the group, that won't be so much of an issue. And United would have 10 men for the most part of that game but then to lose at home against Aston Villa to go behind again to concede at Old Trafford again I think United's last um, eight eight defeats in the league have come at, at Old Trafford because we've got that brilliant away record so it's concerning and United may well get out of this hole and if we look positively it's been a much brighter start to the season than last year United have got the same points and Win draw and loss ratio as Liverpool, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, a point off the top of the league. Other teams are dropping points as well. Um, Liverpool dropped points at the weekend. City were held against Southampton. And if I take my Man United hat off, it makes for a great league. I'd rather that than PSG, who went 10 points clear after eight games at the weekend. But it didn't feel like that on Saturday. Uh, watching Manchester United lose at home to, to Aston Villa. I don't think enough players uh, played well, missing a penalty. Okay, I think the, some of the excuses, they start to wear a bit thin when it comes game after game. And Ollie will be judged more harshly this year, and with good reason. He's been backed. He's, the team is his now. Spent a lot of money. These players are very well paid. And a lot of pressure comes with that. And that's what comes with being a Manchester United player and a player at any of the biggest clubs in the world. It's exactly the same when uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona lose a game. Again, it could be worse. United could be Barcelona having to sell all the best players, but they haven't had to do that. And I just don't think United are playing particularly well at the moment, and, and it, it concerns me. I'm not one for a knee-jerk reaction saying sack the manager now. We're still really early in the season, but it, it's, it's pretty concerning. United are going to lose more matches, but... This end, uh, this, this this little blip, which has now encompassed those free defeat, it's, it needs to end now. And against uh, Villarreal team, we've not lost a game this season in normal time. They've drawn everyone apart from one, but they're a decent team. And we saw that in the Europa League final in Gdansk. All he needs results. Results affect the mood of everything, no matter what anybody else says. And when they don't come, people start to dig deeper and say, Why are Manchester United
1: not winning? Yeah, and a draw against Villarreal this week is not going to be good enough either to change the mood. is it? We'll talk about that game later. We'll preview it fully. Uh, Lots of interesting information about that coming up later in the podcast. But Laurie, we're we're not at the point where people are questioning Solskjaer's future necessarily, but we are at the point where people are having to write that we're not questioning Oli's future after these results. Before when Manchester United lost football matches, his future wasn't even mentioned, was it? I
0: think there's always with Solskjaer we're very close to a referendum on his management, you know, most of the time, really, just because of where he came from, you know, Mould manager, Cardiff manager. He's not got the pedigree that Jurgen Klopp arrived at Liverpool with, or Thomas Tuchel arrived at Chelsea with, or obviously Pep Guardiola arrived at Manchester City with. So that's always going to be the case. Until Solskjaer wins something or has a sustained period of success, it's always going to be just around the corner. Solskjaer's obviously not a good enough manager to be Manchester United manager. Um, which other club in the Premier League would take him? You know those, those kind of questions are, are obviously going to be asked, and the performance against Aston Villa was one where I think you can lay that at the manager because of the way the players didn't seem to have a coherent sense of how they were going to attack. So you looked at Aston Villa as a team that had some clearly defined principles in terms of you know the fullbacks bombing on, you know Matty Cash to Matt Target for that chance in the first half that was an excellent chance should have been a goal. Also the high press that they had that. The quick turnovers that they managed to get for Ollie Watkins, um, you know, a couple of chances for him. So you could see the way they were playing. Um, Whereas with with United, it felt a little bit like individuals doing their own thing. I mean, Mason Green would... We've seen this before, Laurie, yeah, as well, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, it's not a new thing. So that's what then you can come back to Solskjaer and say, well, what is what is developing? What's changing? Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo's coming to the team and maybe he needs time to um, fully embed. You know, he's obviously looked... Really good in, in moments and, and linked up really nicely, particularly with Bruno Fernandes. Um, but it was a, a quiet game for him. It was Mason Greenwood was electric, um, and certainly I would say United's best player. But also he was guilty of holding onto the ball too many times, and perhaps that comes from not knowing exactly what he's doing in attack in terms of when to release it to Bruno Fernandes or when to release it to Cristiano Ronaldo. So um, that was the kind of concerning thing. And they also, the fact that United do seem susceptible to turnovers, you know, to, to, to fast breaks through the middle, you know, we saw it against Newcastle, we saw it against Wolves and again, against Aston Villa. And you're thinking you've got Fred and McTominay in there. That's the kind of insurance policy against that. So, you know, you'd have to look at it closely and see exactly what's happening on these moments when, Teams are slicing through, but that, that was a concern and, and that was something I asked Solskjaer about afterwards in terms of United did have, you know, sixty percent possession. They had more more passes than Aston Villa, better pass success rate than Aston Villa, like by a
1: significant way. They've had fifty five shots in two games and not scored. I mean that there's that point to, you know, them being poor in terms of the play or is that just in terms of the finish or does that say something about the, the quality of those of those shots and opportunities?
0: I, I think the latter because, you know, they had 28 shots against Aston Villa and in the piece um, from the match we've got um, the optographic that they supplied us with very kindly and it sort of shows where those shots are being taken from and the the you know the expected goals from each of those shots. So I'm not saying that, you know, that is a, a cast measurement but equally it gives you a general sense of how good these chances were and a lot of them were from outside the box, but, you know, small percentages Percentage chances of scoring a goal, and it was often that they get to those those points and kind of not really know exactly what to do. And, and I think that does ultimately come down to the manager. And um, the question that I sort of asked Solskjaer was, you know, it looked like United were fragile when they when they didn't have the ball or when they, when they lost it. And also, were they rushed in attack? And he, he basically accepted that. He said, "Yeah, sometimes we could have been, we could have slowed it down more. We could have um, sort of camped in their half, their, their final third more." But at the same time, the players that I've got are quick, skillful. You know, they're excellent on the transition. So there's that. There's that chance for Mason Greenwood when Bruno Fernandez Villa have got a chance. Bruno Fernandez first time pass through to Greenwood. He's through. Again, he dribbles a bit too much with it. Ronaldo's offside. by the time he tries to pass to him and he has a shot from the edge of the box that's blocked. And again, it's one of those chances that, you know, you're not expected to score from. So, you know, that's obviously where United did get some of the chances from. But at the same time, I don't think that's a sustainable um, way to success if you're kind of constantly playing on the break.
1: Okay, you mentioned there Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his comments after the game. Let's remind ourselves of exactly what he said in his broadcast interviews.
3: Obviously disappointed because uh, it's an offside. It's the goal, so unfortunate to um, to have that decision against you. Now, uh, first of all, the way they get round the, the penalty spot, get round Bruno and all that—that's not to my liking. But I do understand it. We shouldn't shouldn't be that way. Bruno's normally very good in those positions, and unfortunately, uh, just uh, missed this one. No, and doesn't get into Bruno's head. He's uh, strong mentally, and uh, he'll um, he'll step forward again. The two that came on did well. Eddie came on, did okay. Uh, I thought intensity, aggression, uh, defending we did. We were good on transition, but the last uh, the last pass, the last shot wasn't uh, the best today. Yeah, of course. When you lose games, it's a concern. Of course it is. Now you got to get ready for Wednesday night, big game, Champions League. So these boys are big enough to, to know that.
1: Andy, what what do you make of what Solskjaer had to say and and, and the tone, really, of what he had to say after the match?
3: In
2: isolation is right, but it's not in isolation now. There was a complaint in the previous uh, game about the lack of penalties, and again, it it was a valid point, but look, would tend to even itself out over a season. And I just think that Oli is in danger of losing the moderates. There's always an element of people who will never be convinced with him as Manchester United manager. Uh, for the reason that Laurie touched on for his previous record. I got a lot of messages on Saturday from pretty sensible people. And the the gist was, I love Ollie as a player and I really want him to exceed, but, and there's that but there, it's but they're not convinced that he's going to become a successful Manchester United manager. So uh, trophies would have helped. They would have put more credit in the bank. Yeah, we can look back to Ferguson and say, It took him three and a half years, but I don't think it's unreasonable now for United fans to judge more critically. He's been in the job almost three years and and take some of the criticism that comes with the poor results. I know that he would feel that some of his players are not performing to the expected standards. You mentioned Fred. It's clearly an issue. You can see opponents, uh, particularly mid-level opponents, they're coming to Old Trafford, they're playing the same way. They're sitting deep, they're countering, they're pressing when Fred gets the ball because they suspect, and often with good reason, that he might be susceptible to losing the ball. And Villa actually had really a really good match plan and, and it came off for them. These aren't freak resultsies. This isn't like that Sheffield United game last, last year. And as you said right at the top, um, 55 attempts and, and no goal in the last two matches at Old Trafford. And You've got to judge all, all of this information. You've got to judge what you see with your own eyes. And what I see is Manchester United are not playing particularly well. It's not particularly exciting to watch. I watch a lot of football and that that may change, but we are entitled to have these opinions. And i had done a piece for The Athletic saying he needs a trophy this season. And someone said to me last week, and what? And it's quite right to say, and what? I'm not the one making the decision. That's my opinion, but I'm entitled to that, to that opinion. And the people I speak to who go to lots of Manchester United games, pay the wages of the players, they're also entitled to their opinion. And it's our job as journalists to get an accurate barometer of the mood among fans. And of course, it's going to drop in the immediate aftermath of any defeat. And you can see a bit more sense creeping back in 48 hours after when you look at the league table and think this could be much, much worse. Uh, but it's, it's disappointing. And tactically, um, you can see that some of the players are not uh, not doing what they're being asked, they're not playing to the standards of Manchester United players. I know that the coaches certainly feel that. They made that very clear on Saturday. The best player, as you've mentioned, was Mason Greenwood. He's 19 years old. He's the real deal. He's been probably the bright spot of this season. I know Pogba's done very well too. Greenwood's been fantastic and we've got the bright spots. You know, Laurie did a piece on on De Gea and he's quite right. He's had a decent season so far, but if this run carries on, the intensity and the criticism is going to increase and with good reason. It's Manchester United.
1: You talked um, before about, you know, the the moderates and, and the sort of feeling uh, behind Solskjaer. Again, we've had loads of questions on the real-time section of the Athletic app. So thank you so much, everyone, for getting involved. Uh, Neil S says, the strength for them was fully behind Ollie. At the full-time whistle on Saturday, for the benefit of fans with short memories, can you please discuss the results and negative football played under the previous managers for perspective? Well, I'm depressed enough, so I don't think we need to do that. But I understand his point. It has been a lot worse than this, but it's the fact that the expectations have grown. Uh, Girish says we have a good team. There has to be a solution. What is that solution, Laurie? If I knew, I'd be
0: earning a lot more money than I do right now. And I'd probably be in a football position. And, you know, who, who knows? Um, I think it's a valid point um that the first comments are made about, you know, reflecting on what's happened in the past. Um, I mean, I go back to the, you know, this this thing that, you know, Solskjaer has managed Manchester United to more victories where they've scored five goals, you know, than than any manager. Previously up to Ferguson, you know, combined Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho, it was like twice, wasn't it? Whereas Solskjaer's done it like, you know, 10 times in different competitions.
1: The the thing is, though, I suppose the barometer now feels more like pre 2013 than post 2013 for this side. It feels like like Andy's been mentioning, the step up this season in terms of the recruitment, in terms of the finish last year in second place and second place in the Europa League as well, adding £150 million of whatever it is worth more talent to this team, Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho, it's gone up again, hasn't it? The expectation. That's why this feels particularly flat, I guess.
0: Yeah, as, as my point being, though, that... You know, Andy said it's not particularly enjoyable. I actually quite enjoyed the Villa match. Like, I know United weren't great, but it was end to end. It was kind of like, and you know, you had 28 shots and they might. Been crap shots, but you know they were. You could see they were trying. Whereas I think under Van Haal it would have been pass, 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 and pass backwards. Under Jose, it would have been maybe get a goal lead and sit back, or or, or vice versa. You know, I know there was comebacks under Jose, but I don't know. I feel like with 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 Sol Shally, that's that's more of a consistent theme. And it probably we should be saying they shouldn't be conceding should be going in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was looking back actually, two clean sheets in seventeen it is now for United, which is you know going back to last season, which is pretty scary really when you look at. They've added Varane, Maguire, Luke Shaw, and now in Wan That you know, and David De Gea behind them. That is an expensive backline.
1: Well, some of that's with Dean Henderson trying him out as well at the end of last year, True. as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, good point. Uh and I mean to be fair, you could probably say Maguire has been one of the weaker players for United this season. Um, you know, and Victor Lindelof coming on against Villa did did pretty well. And you know, I wonder if his chance against Villarreal might, he might see it as an audition to actually rival him, you know, uh, for the for the season, which would, it would be obviously a massive call given Maguire's as the captain. But I think he's he's perhaps um dipped below the levels we expect of him. But um just going back to the sort of the, the comments and questions um in, in terms of Solskjaer's standing and what United should expect, for sure, you know, they've added Cristiano Ronaldo into the team and we can debate the dynamics of that and whether that unsettles other people in terms of the open play and also the penalty situation if if Bruno misses that penalty and Ronaldo's not a Manchester United player we're just saying "Lucky Bruno you've done really well for United previously it's not, nothing more said whereas obviously with Ronaldo there it then becomes a, a debate on well really was that the right decision yeah, who should yeah. take the next penalty well the
1: goalkeeper Martinez certainly used it to his advantage didn't he
0: it was very i mean he's done that for the for Argentina in the Copa America, didn't he? He sort of he, he enjoys that um psych out strategy saying yeah, Ronaldo should be taking it and them crowding around the, the, the ball. Um listen, I suppose it's it's a bit beyond it's probably you know not very sportsman like, is it? But I suppose football is a competitive industry, and if you can get away with it, I know Solskjaer was saying it, you know, he, he didn't like it, but equally he wasn't sort of saying what else could you do as, as an official? You know, you just have to kind of um, eventually get them off the off the penalty spot. And you, you'd think that Bruno shouldn't be affected by something like that. He's, he's been in real, you know, cauldron atmospheres and, and difficult situations. So, it, but it was an odd penalty, wasn't it? You know, the kind of, I've never seen him blast it down the middle before. Um, and obviously it went way over. The, the mood in Old Trafford at that point was sort of just stunned, sort of silence and kind of people with heads in hands. And it would have been a point though. It would have been a point that, I think on reflection of the game United probably deserved you know it, it wasn't like Villa you know blew United away they were obviously a very good performance but I think probably a draw but obviously we're saying that United should be beating Aston Villa if they've got title aspirations they should be setting them to- you know, down against Aston Villa and, and winning that match, you know, not comfortably, but they, they should be winning it. And um, that they obviously didn't do that. And United are keeping pace with the other teams at the top because obviously Chelsea lost at home to Man City and Liverpool drew away to Brentford. But you kind of feel like their fixtures have been harder. You know, they've all played each other and United are now coming into a really difficult run. And as Andy says, if this, kind of form sustains or these results sustain you know it's going to be really difficult for for Solskjaer to avoid the scrutiny
1: yeah let's talk a bit more about the penalty Andy if that's all right, because uh, Simon Hughes has written a a, a, well a thought provoking piece I think is probably the right way to put it about this trend of players apologising we've already had Jesse Lingard apologising for his mistake away at Young Boys and now a really long apology on social media from Bruno Fernandes after missing that penalty. Uh, Simon sort of questioning whether he, it's really necessary for players to apologise, but um, I guess it shows how much it hurt Bruno. Andy, it, it
2: does. I'm not entirely comfortable with with apologies because humans make mistakes in every field, including football players, and it's yeah. one reason why, why why we we love football. Uh, the fact that it was so very well received shows that maybe people of a different generation to me think it is the right thing to do. and It was the detail can, of it as well. Yeah. I
1: wasn't just sorry for missing a penalty, was it? He poured his heart out almost.
2: Maybe he's got other things going on in his mind. We just don't know what his thought process is. I like the fact that it's it seems like it's actually him because there are times when I see footballers putting stuff out and I just think, that's just not you. It's basically someone from a marketing department writing this on, on your behalf.
1: We will bounce back. Yeah, I don't
2: like that. I'd rather I'd rather nothing. Then again I can understand why the footballers don't always do them themselves because some of the platforms are are full of abuse. I went to see um young Facundo Palestra at the weekend in, in Victoria playing for Alaves and he's 19. And I said you do your own social media. So yeah I do everything. I thought okay fair enough and he's a bright lad and maybe there'll be a time when when he doesn't because he has to step back. But the worst example I've seen players where their social media is completely over-designed. It's like really um, idealised images and and you're not even in the matchday squad, mate. <laughs> What's going on here, basically? So the strategy can, can be risky. I think if Bruno does it every week, then it becomes a problem, but he's not done it every week. He's a very popular, important player for Manchester United. And he's as annoyed as the fans that he's missed that penalty. Ollie's said about him a few times, he can have a whinging streak in him, but that's only because he wants to improve Manchester United. We've said on this podcast, or I have in recent weeks, just be careful with the moaning because you're in danger of getting reputation. But let's judge Bruno over the time he's come from Manchester United. He has been an unmitigated success.
1: He's been the best signing in years, hasn't he, really? Let's be honest.
2: Yeah, someone said to me, yeah. He felt that pressure with Ronaldo stood behind him.
1: There must be some reason why he took the penalty like that because, like Laurie said before, he'd never seen Bruno do that before. His record is amazing. The only other penalty that he missed against Newcastle, certainly didn't blaze it 30 yards over the bar. It didn't provoke the same sort of uh, reaction inside the ground as that. Maybe he was
2: just stunned that United received a penalty because it's been a while coming. (laughs) Uh,
1: Do you think he'll take the next one?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: see, it was funny that he. I love how you both beforehand. paused, by the way, after I asked that question. You both sort of like looked at each other, and say, "Oh, are you got to answer this one, or, or shall I?" I
0: know, I know I had success at the start of the season with predicting that lead scoreline, but I think my <laughs> my crystal ball's back in the draw now. I mean, I'm rubbish at predictions, so I I think he will take the next one just because he, he will want to, and I think the club would quite like him to just get that monkey off his back and it not feel like he's missed one or right you're out the door I mean obviously if he then misses that one <laughs> it's another matter but and and you kind of hope that it's not in the circumstances that it is that it was in on on Saturday because Solskjaer clearly had said to the guys right Bruno's my penalty take it before the game you know the players expected Bruno to take it and Ideally, you'd have it at like you know United two nil it up. It's it's a penalty, you know, seventy five minutes, and it's you know it's the, the pressure isn't there. Whereas this one one nil down, ninety odd minutes, it's you know the, the scrutiny is intense in that situation, and, and and yeah, I get I think he'll he'll want to take the next one. And, and with the apology, just quickly, I feel like with Bruno, it's slightly different to perhaps other players because he's so vocal in you know media and criticizing others or you know or or challenging others to be better that i think when he's messed up i think he has to kind of go listen this was the reasoning behind it you know i'm sorry so i kind of with him i think it's a a little bit different
1: fair enough um what do you think ian i think he set the standard like you said before yeah absolutely um i think he will take the next one I i wasn't surprised at all that he took the one at the weekend Um, I think that it was the right call for him to take it. I could understand why people would say, you've got Ronaldo, why have you bought Ronaldo if you're not going to get him to step up and take a penalty in that sort of circumstance? But Bruno has more than proved that he's the right choice down the years. And yes, he did miss the one at the weekend. And it's interesting what Andy said, that um, there's sort of a thought that Ronaldo standing behind him, looking at him, did affect him taking that penalty. But I think it would be the right thing for him to step up and take the next one as long as he scores. Okay, so we said at the top, three defeats in four. It really can't become four defeats in five, can it? I think it's just going to be nil-nil again because it's Villarreal and Manchester United in the Champions League. And Andy, we've seen this programme before, haven't we? We've seen this film before. It's got to be different this time though, hasn't it?
2: Well, Manchester United have got to do something for the first time in the history and, and beat Villarreal.
1: Crazy that, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's a crazy stat. Yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd never played until the mid-noughties, but that's because Villarreal are from a small town the and have always been a second and third division club, but they rose. They did very well. They've established themselves as uh, one of the leading lights in Spanish football. They did really well to win the Europa League last year. But they played in Europa League semi-finals. They played in Champions League semi-finals, and their four previous games against United all ended uh, nil-nil. There were always circumstances around them. Uh, I spoke to Diego Forlan last week about them and. He wasn't able to come back to Old Trafford, which was a bit upsetting for him because he felt he'd never been able to say goodbye to fans. Uh, one of the games came after Roy Keane's outburst. And the Spanish teams are, are strong in Europe. Villarreal have remained a strong team. And then of course there was the final in Gdansk, 1-1. And then into, into extra time, I, I spoke to Villarreal's goalkeeper, uh, Geronimo Rui, uh, towards the end of last week and, one of the things he said was we were the better team in, in time added on. And they were pretty emboldened. They felt that they deserved to win. Yes, it went to penalties. But United need to win against a team who draw, 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 draw. They went to Real Madrid on Saturday night. Real Madrid are top of La Liga. And Vill- Villarreal held them to a 0-0 draw. So they can do it. I know there's a feeling within the club that actually the way Villarreal play can suit United. Because they're confident enough to have a go at Old Trafford. That draw in the first game uh, for them means that they also need points because if Byrne are to be the whipping boys, then uh, Burn's win is actually really bad for at- Atalanta and for Villarreal. So might see him come and have a go. They've got a really good uh, manager in-, in Unai Emery. Okay. Maybe not at Arsenal, but he's got a very, very good record elsewhere. And, Before that final, he just motivated his players and said, play this like it is your last game of your career. So they won't be short of motivation. And when United really needed results in the past, to to all his credit, he has tended to get them. Even, 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 I remember the best example, probably December 19, when his, his forthcoming games were against Spurs, managed by Mourinho, and Manchester City away, and he won both of them, playing really well in both of them as well. Well, his players played really well, not him. And so he, he's also got that in him. But that's also a worry then, is this a trend that this is just going to go on and on and on? And is it going to be good enough to 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 win trophies? But if I had to predict the outcome of this Champions League group, I think United will go through, but I think Villarreal are a, a very strong accomplished team and their worry was that uh, playing champions league would be difficult for their league form this year because they certainly suffered with that in 2012 they got hammered by manchester city but they're doing all right in the league no one's beating them yet they're doing all right and last year they had a tougher run in terms of travel to that final in gdansk than manchester united they've got good players experienced players and a decent manager and manchester united need to overcome that and win, and I'd say win pretty convincingly as well.
1: Yeah, Andy mentioned there, Laurie, about Villarreal potentially coming and having a go at Manchester United. Well, United fans will be concerned about what defence they're coming to have a go at, with obviously Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire going off at the weekend. Aaron Wan-Bissak is uh, suspended as well. Um, what are the chances, do we know, of Shaw or Maguire being fit?
0: Wish I could tell you, sorry. Um, I'll try and do some more, you know, digging on that today. But um after the game, Solskjaer just didn't want to get into it at all. You know, um said they'll have scans, so yeah, you know, I presume they'll have scans today um on, on their different injuries. It, it looked like I mean both tried to run them off, you know, both sort of played on, particularly Maguire. I mean, he he played on, you know, Lindelof was basically ready to come on and, and Maguire kept playing and then ended up hauling down McGinn, um, you know, looking very and he got very lucky not to concede a foul and a booking in that situation. Um, so but yeah, they both tried to run him off. So I, I don't know, but it, it Solskjaer sounded like they both would be not good for this game, you know. Um, so then you're left to sort of wonder, okay, Lindelof and Varane Diogo Dallo. I thought he actually did pretty well when he came on. Um, you know, I know it was on, on the left flank as well, not on his sort of preferred right, I guess. Um, I thought he sort of had an attacking edge to his game. He, he sort of was doing the overlaps and sort of, you know, obviously the, the crosses a couple of times weren't the best, but I kind of, I quite enjoyed his, his uh, energy that he brought. Um, but then obviously if Aaron wan is suspended, which he is, you'd think he'd go on that side. And I suppose it's just whether Alex Tillis is, is okay. And then maybe that's your back back four for the game. Um, But yeah, I mean, I hope Villarreal come and have a go because I think that's probably United's best chance rather than them sit back and and kind of frustrate them. I mean, I'm just looking at the results when Andy told me they hadn't been beaten this season. 0-0 against Granada, 0-0 against Espanyol, 0-0 against Mallorca. Buy the popcorn in anticipation at this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we know United have got a 0-0 draw in them against Villarreal, so yeah. I'll, I'll be there on Wednesday. Uh, I might pack a coffee just to uh, make sure I'm nice I'll and light. I also think that
2: um, the only team who have actually beaten Villarreal this season was Chelsea in the Super Cup final. But that's because you needed a definite outcome. And obviously, it went to extra time and penalties because that, that's what a Villarreal <laughs> are like. And they missed one. Villarreal missed one. And, um, I couldn't believe that at the time either. I didn't think they missed him. I think your point on De lot La- is absolutely right, Laurie. I think he's one of the more encouraging uh, players against uh, Aston Villa. and if his career is going to move on a little bit and he gets to play and, and plays well, then I think that could be another positive too.
1: Just on that, Andy, is it as simple as Delow at right-back, Tellez at left-back and Lundeloff in at centre-half if those three are all out?
2: That's the obvious um, selection, uh, solution, I think. Um, Tellez needs a decent game. Uh, another one who's you know it's not really worked out for him at Old Trafford, he would have hoped, partly because Luke Shaw's been so convincing. I don't think Luke Shaw's been... At his best in in recent matches, him and Maguire both went off. I don't think Maguire's had a, a particularly good season so far either. As Laurie said, Lindelof uh, did well when he came on. Lindelof's really highly rated at the club. Uh, we all hear complaints about Aaron Wambasaka more so when he crosses the halfway line rather than his defense defending. We know that Manchester United tried to sign Kieran Trippier, so the the issue at right back is an issue, maybe not as much of an issue as central mid- midfield, but I'd loved a lot to come through. I, mean, I always remember Jose Mourinho saying this guy will be Gary Neville at this club and play for a long, long time. And and that just didn't happen. I think the game against West Ham last week was his first start at Old Trafford in in two years, but all power to his elbow. He stayed, if he's going to play and he's going to play well, then, then great. You've got the opportunity to, to do that.
0: I mean, we have seen Lindelof as a right back, haven't we? Um, previous to this, but then that would mean you'd need a centre back, so you know, basically Baye and or you know, Phil Jones, maybe. Um, but no, I think all being well, I think that would be the four. And then listen, maybe if Shaw or Maguire can can recover, then you know they can come back in as well. Um, but I mean, at least you'll have De Gea behind um, them, who, who sort of started the season quite well, and I think. I don't know if we'll touch on this, but I think it's an interesting match for him to respond to the way that he finished the Europa League final. It looked really desolate for him, you know, clearly not saving any of the 11 penalties against Villarreal and and missing his own spot kick and kind of having a bit of an air about him where he looked a bit defeated. Um, So he seems to have pressed the reset button, as you know, we wrote in our piece um, on Friday, sort of over the summer, done some gym work, accepted that he needs to step up his levels, you know, known that it's not good enough. And he seems to have actually started the season pretty well. Another couple of decent saves against Villa um, at the weekend. The, the, it was the back pass, wasn't there, for Maguire that sort of De Gea stretched to reach and that, that gave Watkins a chance. But I would say that was more Maguire's error than, than his. You know, We saw at West Ham when Maguire passed back again in a difficult situation for De Gea that it wasn't a great choice by him. So, yeah, I would say that De Gea is still pretty blemish-free this season and, in fact, has, has made a couple of really important saves.
1: Yeah, we've seen the goalkeepers be rotated in in previous seasons in Europe and, and, and cup competitions and other clubs do that as well, Andy. But you get the sense that De Gea will really want to play this game, won't he? And put the record straight a little bit because it's probably the worst night of his Manchester United career, that wasn't it, the Europa League final?
2: Yeah, he was pretty gracious after the game. Um, so to his opposite, I think there's always that element of goalkeepers uh, having, having a union, but hugely disappointing for everybody. You know, we were there. Was, Gdansk was awful. And I think had United won a trophy in, in Poland, then things would be a little bit easier now in terms of the pressure uh, for the manager. As Laurie says, uh, De Gea's reset. Uh, he, I think he realised that as well when Dean Henderson started coming through. I was certainly told that his levels improved and there were some changes behind the scenes in terms of the goalkeeping coaches as well. Um, Richard uh, Hartis came in, who's well-respected. There was a departure as well, going back to to, to Spain, Emilio. So I'm quite happy with David here at the moment. I think he's justifying his, his status. He's been at the club a decade now. That's not really a concern of mine. Maybe I'm a little concerned that, Opponents keep targeting Manchester United on corners. I know that United felt it's not just happening in the Premier League, but in Bern, they felt that the young boys would try and smother De Gea. They were absolutely expecting that to happen. Just reminds me back to when he first came 10 years ago in that very first match at West Brom when they were trying to bully the goalkeeper. And then also worries me that United keep conceding at set pieces as well, but I've got no qualms about David De Gea. In an ideal world, Dean Henderson gets back, gets back to the levels he's at and they just create intense competition. So it's a a good choice for the manager.
0: Andy mentioned the set pieces there. It just reminded me of a scene that I saw at Old Trafford on Saturday where just before Villa scored, they had a long throw that Matty Cash uh, went across from the right to left to take. um, McGinn called him over and you had Dean Smith with Austin McPhee, Aston Villa set piece coach, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with Eric Ramsey, United's new set piece coach, both in the technical area, both watching this. And then obviously they get the corner and, and they score from the corner. And now I'm not saying that that's, you know, Eric Ramsey's, uh, you know, uh, arena and nor more so than it's Austin McPhee's success. But um, it was quite interesting, just sort of a picture of modern day football, where you've got the two sort of set piece coaches right next to the managers at this kind of crucial stage of a game. Um, that was actually the first goal United conceded from a set piece this season. I know they've had you know, real issues with it in the past, which is obviously why Eric Ramsey's come on board. Uh, but they did have a warning in the first half, didn't they, when uh, Esri concert sort of got under the ball. It's a really big chance that from the corner, same corner, you know, in-swinging corner from from that side. Um, but the United did have a couple of routines, actually, on their own corners that I thought were a bit different. Um, there was one where Shaw and Bruno Fernandes had a quick one-two and then they pulled it back to Greenwood, who was in space on the edge of the box, and, and he had a shot on target. Shaw was offside marginally, um, so it was would have wouldn't have counted anyway but there was a couple of like little routines I thought okay you can see the touches that Elise Rams is bringing to the table but clearly they need to stop you know conceding set pieces in, in that you know way Um, I do have sort of a little bit of sympathy with what Solskjaer was saying about the offside I actually didn't see it at the time but sort of watching it back you know clearly Watkins is is involved with the header. I don't think that's enough to, to rule out a goal but it just was funny you know a week after Leicester had two goals ruled out for you know, much you know, less infringement. That So I can see why Solskjaer sort of raised it without really having much uh, confidence in that, you know, in, in reality, it should be disallowed.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you. A Ramsey-inspired set-piece goal to win the match against Villarreal would be very nice. A Bruno Fernandes penalty, a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty, <laughs> a David De Gea penalty, anything, anything really just to try and change the narrative <laughs> around this because I am not looking forward to the prospects of doing another podcast on Thursday if United were to lose again. I mean, we'll be here, of course. We're always going to be here. But, yeah, it'd be nice to talk about a win this time, wouldn't it? Okay, I've just got enough time then to remind you that you can still get a subscription to The Athletic with a 33% discount by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Of course, you can go there and read all the articles that we've been talking about in the podcast today, all the very best Manchester United coverage on there. As always, ad-free versions of the podcast as well. And a very interesting article as well by michael walker about richard eckersley if you're into your oat milk you might want to read that one or even if you're not you might want to read that one andy thanks for joining us let's hope for better against villarreal laurie same to you as well thank you very much we'll be back on thursday like I say and fingers crossed we'll have a home win to talk about and we'll be previewing the match against everton at old Trafford at the weekend as well see you then Athletic.